Go back one of these days, look at the words, and then ask yourself, would somebody in the Middle Ages that didn't have good access to the Word of God, would they understand that song? Where do we learn the theology that we know and that we understand? Why do we believe what we believe? And this has been something that has been really a quest for me after I got saved. I grew up in the church, um, as many people did, and you know, I, I learned a lot in church, and I learned a lot in Sunday school and Bible school and listening in the services. Um, but I think when you're listening with those uh, ears that are not in tune with the Spirit, a lot of times there's a lot that we miss. And I knew the basics of salvation, but in 2012 when I got saved, I realized how much I really did not know and did not understand. And so that really sent me on this quest uh, to read the Bible, understand the Bible, and then, uh, you know, as, as the Lord's given me uh, some ability to do so, you know, try to explain the Bible to somebody else. I like, um, I, I know some of you have been in, in the uh, military. I worked with a lot of people throughout my career in fire and EMS uh, with people that are uh, members of the United States military. And one of the things they, they always say is, and I, I forget, it seems like there's another part, but it was learn it, teach it. Learn it, teach it. They're very big. You learn a skill, you learn something, and you learn it to the extent that you can teach it to somebody else. And really, isn't that our call as Christians as well? That's part of that, that great commission. You know, learn it, teach it. So um, I, I had, uh, you know, and I still continue along that, that path. Um, and I've had a lot of interesting conversations uh, over the years with some of you even in this room about uh, what, how should I study? What books are out there? What, what helped you when you were studying a certain topic or you wanted to know more um, about a portion of Scripture in, in the Bible? Where did you turn? And, uh, and I've got various answers over, over the years. Um, and so I, what I'm going to share with you tonight is kind of what I have developed, what's worked for me as far as studying the Bible. Um, I'm going to share with you some of the resources uh, that I used or use and that uh, some of you have even recommended to me. Okay? So that's what I'm going to uh, discuss tonight. Um, <clears throat> I will say this, though. I'll give this analogy uh, Back in uh, 2015, 2016, we were preparing to go on this uh, round-the-country uh, trip with the family. And we were going to be doing a lot of hiking out in wilderness areas of the country, which if you have not been out west and out of Ohio, um, I was, and I hadn't, I had been like to Florida and stuff like that, but I had never been out west. And one of the things that astounded me about those national parks out west 
is when you get out there, you are literally in the middle of nowhere. So I didn't, I didn't know the extent of this before we left, but I had an idea of that, and, and I was trying to prepare. So we had our, our hiking packs, because we're planning in some of these parks doing long hikes that would take us the entire day. We'd be going through the mountains. So I wanted to know what I should carry in my pack. I wanted to know, you know, what should I do if we run across a bear? You know, of all things, you know, we don't deal with that in Ohio. What should I do? So, um, and at the same time, I needed to get in shape. And I was maybe in a little, I, no, I was in better shape at that time because I was getting on the treadmill every night and I was uh, even running on the treadmill, if you can believe it. Um, and what I liked to do was while I was running on the treadmill to get my mind off of how much I hated exercise and running on the treadmill, I would watch videos of people giving suggestions for what to put in their backpack. What would I carry, you know, if I'm hiking the Appalachian Trail? Watch a lot of those. And wouldn't you know it, would you, did you think they all said the exact same thing? They, they all had the exact same video. No, why do you think there's thousands of those type of videos out there on YouTube? Well, the reason they're out there is because everybody has something that works for them. You know, I've got this guy over here that he packs a 120-pound pack, and he's got the kitchen sink in there and, and everything. And then there's this guy over here that, you know, he packs everything in a, in a matchbox, and that's what he's going to take. And... You know, he's, he's going to survive on eating bugs and stuff like that. You know, so you have just this wide variety of things that are those people's preferences. So I liken that to what I'm going to tell you tonight. This is not the end all to be all. I'm going to show you what's in my backpack, what I like to carry in my backpack. I understand this isn't maybe what you would like to carry in your backpack. That's okay, you can make your own video. I'm just making my, my video tonight, okay? But I'll share with you some of the Bible study resources uh, that's been helpful for me. So I just wanted to bring in, you know, a few scriptures here too. You know, why is it important that we study the Bible? Um, you know, was this important to the first century church? You know, why should we care today? I thought it was interesting I wish I didn't have time to look up C.H. Spurgeon's uh, quote on this, but he has a wonderful quote on this, and I wish I could remember it, but I don't. But Paul, you know, he's, he's giving a laundry list here to, uh, to Timothy in 1 Timothy, and he gets down, 1 Timothy 4.13, getting towards the end of the book, and he tells Timothy, he says, When you come to me, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. So you can imagine that first century travel was probably difficult, right? And, you know, here, you know, Timothy has to bring all of his own provisions, and now Paul is telling him, hey, by the way, I want you to bring my coat. Well, that, that makes sense. You know, he's probably going to need, you know, some sort of a, a coat, right? Uh, so he bring me my coat here, and also... But then he's got to bring the books, and then above all, the parchments. 
So Timothy on his journey, Paul, these are something, these are things that are super important to the Apostle Paul. The Word of God was obviously in these parchments and, and uh, books. Um, and this was important to the Apostle Paul. It was also, we, we know that the Bible has always been very important to the early church. That's how we have it today. It's been passed down from the early church to us today. And that's probably because Paul, he also tells Timothy here, that all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped with everything for good, or equipped for every good work. There's a reason we're learning the Bible. But you know what I like about the Word of God is that there's always balance in it. I believe it's in Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, where we learn about the balance that God has in nature and, and in, the, in the world. So when you look at many topics in the Bible, when it comes to our life, you realize that our life is to be lived with balance. You know, we have these scriptures and many scriptures that it's, that's exhorting us to know the Word of God. But Solomon here, he tells us in Ecclesiastes, uh, last chapter, says, of the making of many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Then, of course, he tells us, you know, to, to uh, bring our lives, you know, before God, to live before God. But, you know, study for study's sake isn't going to get us anywhere. And I, and I think there's always, um, and some people may, and me maybe, you know, there's always that tendency that you want, sometimes you get so much into studying that you can miss the point of the study. But I don't think it's all lost, because a lot of times I thought that I've done that, and then later it comes around and I'm able to apply that in my life. So that study is so important to the Christian. And one of the things, I'm just going to speak on, I guess, a pet peeve right now for a minute, but one of the things that I don't like right now in our society is that, you know, we really, I think, as Christians, we, we have really downplayed or, um, uh, I guess, get, put education in a bad light. And that's not something that the early church or Christians in general have, have done. And that's not something that this generation would be wise to do. Christians above all people, if you look in the, in the early church, Christians above all people were very uh, interested in making sure that their children especially could read and write. And why was that? Because the scriptures were there, right? They were meant to be read and understood and applied to our life. And Christians have always been on the forefront of education. If you look at many of the universities that we complain about today, and you look back in their past, often you will find that a church somewhere started those educational institutions. So I, I don't think that 
it's not necessarily time to just dump that and say, well, you know, these institutions or education, the educational system is a mess. You know, we're just going to go the opposite way. You know, we need to find something else <laughs> that works for our children um, when it comes to the educational system. You know, Christians have always supported education and I believe should continue to support good education and do what we can to make education a, a good and Christian experience, you know, for us and our, and our kids and other young people. Okay, so enough of that. So I'm going to get into some of the uh, study sources that, that I uh, use and then kind of some recommendations on what I would call, I, I called it a minimalist library and a minimalist plus library. So there's many ways when you're studying the Bible and you're, you're gathering resources to study the Bible, there's many way, ways to do it. Some people just prefer to, they have their Bible and, and that's, that's it. And, you know, I, I think that that's a good place, that's the place you need to start. Your first book obviously needs to be the Bible, right? Um, and and, it, and you, you need to know it and study it, but you're eventually... I should say, in my experience, you're going to come against a verse. You're going to come up against something where you're like, what does that mean? I don't, I don't quite understand this. And, I mean, certainly it's always good to have a phone a friend. Uh, that's one of the things. And be, uh, use your phone a friends uh, quite often. Uh, you know, I... I have uh, my brother-in-law, and one of my favorite things is uh, every once in a while he will send me a question about the Bible. And it gets me digging into a part of the Bible, like he's sending me questions on the Psalms and stuff, and I really haven't studied like the Psalms that much. You know, I've read them, but haven't studied them. And it gets me digging into a Psalm that I would have never studied probably otherwise you know, for a long time. So use your friends, but also maybe let's look at uh, some resources that you can use. There's kind of two ways that you can uh, approach this. Um, you can start gathering a large book library. If that's what you like is books, you can do it that way. Or you can gather an electronic library. You can have everything uh, right here on your cell phone. And I'll talk about an app that I really like on, on my cell phone. Uh, <clears throat> but there's pros and cons to both of those approaches. So with the electronics, the nice thing is it's light, portable, generally easy, uh, you know, easy to find, easy to search. I'm going to show you, you know, there's some programs that you can, you can even just search for a word. It'll bring things up. You know, so the ease of use is pretty good with electronics. And I would say that myself, I, I use electronics probably about, you know, 85 to 90% of my study time. I, I use electronics. But you got to think of this. <laughs> what, what if... Uh, you know, I don't have access to an electronic anymore. 
You know, what if I don't have electricity anymore? What if I don't have the internet anymore? You know, for various reasons. You know, you could lose access to any three of those, and if you lose access to one, you've lost all of your electronic resources. So that's one of the things I guess I don't like about going fully electronic is, um, you know, if I were to lose any of that, then it kind of cuts off my ability to study. And also, there's just something about holding a book, too, that a lot of people like that. So my approach has been probably about, you know, 90% of my library is electronic, but I have a decent-sized uh, book library uh, that you know, I utilize quite a bit, too. But what I have noticed is that of my library that I've bought, I utilize, I don't know, probably 10 books the most. And so that's what I'm going to uh, talk to you uh, a little bit here. Uh, and then I'll show you some of the electronic stuff. So if I were going to build my minimalist library, I had, I think, five books. One, two, three, yeah, five, maybe six books in this. So we already mentioned the first is, is your Bible. Um, <clears throat> if you use the King James Bible, then that's the only Bible that, that you're going to need. Uh, if you primarily read a different version, I, I read the English Standard Version, and you know maybe I'll talk about that here in a minute. Why? Um, you still you will want to have a King James Bible because a lot of the older resources that you use are going to reference the King James Bible, and many of these resources. They're, although they're good, they're popular resources, nobody is probably going to go back and rewrite the entire thing to be in the NIV or ESV or whatever. So you want to have the ability to look things up in the King James, even if that's not the Bible that you uh, currently uh, use full-time. Um, I guess uh, just talking about the Bibles a little bit, there's... That's a huge subject, so I'm going to just bring it down to a short period of time here. <clears throat> I've looked at many versions. Uh, one thing I noticed with the King James, especially when I was uh, preaching and speaking, is that it, <clears throat> it did not fit the style that we speak in. So I was spending a lot of time explaining the English language. And I realized one day that I was spending, you know, maybe even 10% of the message explaining English. Um, there's nothing wrong with the King James. I like the King James. So don't, don't come up, th start throwing fruit at me or whatever. But what I found um, is that I, I looked at several different versions. I looked at the uh, New American Standard Bible. Um, I liked it. Uh, it had it was uh, more literal. It's a more literal translation, um, <clears throat> but it, as some people say, it reads wooden. It it, it kind of doesn't have a lot of personality in the in the text. Um, I like. I we read when we read through as a family. If you're reading through as a family, 
I liked the new, new international version. The NIV was nice to read through with the kids. And we read through it, and at first I'm like, ah, NIV, I don't like the NIV. By the time I got to the end of the NIV, I liked the NIV. It was really a nice translation. It read well, uh, reads well in modern English. Um, and so I, I like the NIV. But there's a continuum when they translate the Bible. You have to realize the Bible was not originally written in English. You know, it was written, the New Testament was written in Greek, uh, some Aramaic, and then the Old Testament was written in, in uh, Hebrew. So it has to be translated into a language that we can know and understand. And what you realize is, is language, when it translates, it doesn't always translate uniformly and nicely. You know, there, there may not be a word to translate certain words, like uh, I believe it's a word, hallelujah. You know, we, we sing hallelujah, it's in the Bible, and hallelujah. That's just a word that doesn't translate, that it's actually, I believe, what they call transliteration. Like, they, they just kind of spell it out in English. And then, uh, you know, it's just a word that doesn't translate. There's um, other words that could have two or three or four different words that may translate that word. So then they have to make a decision on, do I use this word or do I use that word to translate what was said? What will give the best sense? And that changes over time. The, the word I think of a lot in King James is conversation. The word conversation in 1611 meant something different than it does today. You know, when the King James English is talking about conversation, it doesn't just mean you speaking to me and understanding and we're, we're having a nice little talk. You know, it's talking about your entire life. It's much broader. So that's what words change, you know, over time. Um, so I ended up settling on the, new, or the English Standard Version because it, it kind of, to me, it, it, it brought everything to it, its, I guess, it was the best that I could find of, of what was available. So, um, the reason why the NIV reads so well is because that's what they call a phrase-by-phrase -phrase translation. So, they kind of paraphrase the original text. The NASB is more of a word-for-word -word translation so that it's, it's more um, accurate to the word, but sometimes it won't really read very well because of that. So the ESV is kind of closer to the King James uh, English. Other reason that I like the ESV is was because it, was, um, it, it came kind of front, along that same lineage as the King James. So the wording order and stuff when you read it is generally similar to the King James English. So if you don't have a King James, so you read something else, obviously you need that Bible. The next thing is concordance. And what I wanted to show is I wanted to show, like for a minimalist library, I have realized I forgot some books. But I was trying to show like how much shelf space this takes up. I looked it up on the internet to see, you know, how much will this cost? Uh, if you get it off of 
eBay, you know, maybe $130, uh, brand new. Not, not a huge fan of, uh, of Amazon, but you can get brand new off of Amazon for probably a little over $200. I do like uh, christianbookstore.com. That's I use them uh, quite a bit, and they have a really good selection. So what I would say for my minimalist library, what I have in my book bag or have in my bag uh, here is my Bible, and then I didn't, I forgot it, but you, you've all seen a Strong's Concordance. Big concordance. It doesn't have to, Strong's goes with the uh, King James Version, so if you are using like an English Standard Version or something, you can get a concordance for that. But the reason you're going to need a concordance is because, you know, how, how many times have you thought of a scripture, you're not sure where it is, but you know what the words are in the scripture. You're thinking of a word. Um, you know, maybe the word regeneration or whatever. It's like, man, I know that's in there. I just can't remember what verse that's in. So you can look up the word regeneration, and you'll find all the scriptures in that concordance listed with that. One thing that's nice about the Strong's is in the back of the expanded, exhaustive Strong's is you also have a Greek-English dictionary. So it'll tell you, well, in Hebrew as well, it'll tell you what that original word was, and then it'll tell you what it was in, uh, or what it means in English. So sometimes if you want to look up like, okay, what, this is what they told me this word was in English. This is how they translated it. But what other meanings might that word have? You can find that in a Strong's Concordance, the expanded, exhaustive version of the Strong's Concordance. So the Strong's Concordance, it's probably a book. You know, it's a little bit bigger than, than this book here. So you got your Bible, you've got your concordance. The next thing that, that I really like is a study Bible, some sort. Uh, so a lot of times if I'm reading at home, uh, this isn't something you'd want to carry probably with you to church and stuff like that because they're kind of you know bulky and everything. But a study Bible is really nice to study out of because uh, you can read, as you're reading that text, then down at the bottom of the page, you know, it's showing you the maps, it's showing you, or, and it's explaining the verses. It gives you just a brief explanation. And there's tons and tons and tons and tons of study Bibles out there. Uh, the one that I really like is, is the English Standard Version Study Bible. Um, this one, it's... it's uh, it doesn't lean heavily uh, to a, say, a Calvinist side all the time or, uh, you know, dispensationalism and some of the other uh, teachings. So I do like the English Standard Version Study Bible. It's a really popular one. I think it's like the most popular study Bible that's out there right now. Um, so I like that, that English Standard Study Bible. So you got your concordance so I can look up words. I've got my study Bible so I can start to get an idea what that scripture means, right? And then uh, <clears throat> sometimes you get to a point even still that I'm like, I don't know what that scripture means. It still is not making sense to me. And just the little quip that they gave me in my study Bible, that wasn't enough. And I want to know more about it. 
So what you can do at that point is then you can start looking at commentaries. And there's thousands of commentaries out there, lots and lots of commentaries. The one that I have, just talking to everybody here at this church and other churches, and that I have always really enjoyed, and is probably one of the most popular ones out there, is Matthew Henry's commentary. Now, he does have, they do make one, it's a concise version. I really wouldn't, I wouldn't probably get the concise version. I would get this one here. I, I brought it, should have had a little bookshelf, but it's, you want the one here that's six, may I'll stand there, six volumes. So I want you to see, you know, how much shelf space this takes up. So you want the one that's got six volumes in it. So what that's going to do is now I can look up from a trusted source. Um, the nice thing about Matthew Henry is he wrote like in the 1600s, I think. But it's funny because his writing is still really fresh. Like he didn't put in a lot of uh, extra, extra information that would apply to the 1600s, but not 2023. That's what's kind of neat. Like you read his writing and you can understand it even today. It makes a lot of sense. Um, it's, you know, maybe a, the English just a little bit dated, but it's, it's pretty readable. So I like Matthew Henry. He's one of my favorite uh, commentators. He gives a really good uh, overview of pretty much any verse in the Bible that you're looking for. And also, he's, he's not out there. Some of these commentators, you know, they can, they can get out there a little bit. So what I always recommend is when you're going to pick a commentary, look up who the writer was and get to know that writer a little bit. Um, now, Matthew Henry is, is going to be on the Calvinistic side a little bit. He's going to lean uh, Calvinist. So if you're looking for something that's uh, you know, a heavy Arminian uh, you know, view on Scripture, you know, Matthew Henry's probably not going to give you that, but he gives a very balanced, I think, fair view of Scripture. Um, so I like him, he, but he's, he's an, older, uh, an older writer, but, but I really do like Matthew Henry. And then let's see. Okay, so that was it for my minimal. Like if I was just going to buy like my first five books to study the Bible, I'd have a Bible, I'd have a concordance, which we can pretend, you know, this is the concordance. I'd have a concordance, I'd have my study Bible, and then I'd have my comprehensive commentary right there. So that's how much space that takes up. That's probably not, uh, I don't think that's quite maybe the, yeah, no, it probably is about $200 to buy that. But doesn't need any electricity, it's yours. Uh, I guess unless somebody breaks in and steals it, it's yours. Um, now, if, if I was going to spend a little bit more money and, and, and get some, some nicer stuff, the next ones that I would get is I, and I, uh, I've talked to some people about this. This is really nice, a harmony of the Gospels. So how many times have you been reading in, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and you're like, man, I know that, that Jesus talked about the same story as in one of the other Gospels, but I don't know where it's at. 
Now, today we got Google, so it's pretty easy. You know, you can go on there, just type that in. You can find it pretty easy. But if you're looking for that in a book, you're going to need a harmony of the Gospels. And what this book does is it helps you find those other places where that, that story is found. So you've got four columns here, and it's telling you, you know, where, what, what it's saying in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke and in John. So the harmony of the Gospels is a really nice uh, resource. I would probably add that next. And then, I didn't bring this one either, but there's, uh, <clears throat> you can get, a lot of times I hear people, they say, when I study, I like to read in different versions. If you have all these other versions, that's fine. Just read those. But if you don't have those other versions and you're looking for one book that will have all those versions, uh, you can get something called a parallel Bible. Again, it's probably, it's about as big as this book. And it'll have, you can buy them in various versions. One I have has New, uh, New International Version, the King James Version, uh, the NASB, and the Amplified Version. And that's really nice to do that side-by-side -side comparison. And then if I was going to add another book to this, it'd probably be a modern commentary. So Matthew Henry is good, you know, good all-around commentary, but remember he is writing from a, a you know, 17th century perspective. A good uh, single-volume commentary that I, I really like is the MacArthur Bible Commentary just one volume. This is a new perspective, but here's where we have to start knowing who wrote it and what the person who wrote it believes. I really like John MacArthur. He's really good at verse-by-verse -verse exposition of the Bible, but you have to know he's a, he's a ardent Calvinist, and he's also a dispensationalist. He believes in uh, dispensationalism. And I'll let you study all that stuff uh, later because it'll take too long to <laughs> talk about all that. But he gives a good uh, overview of Scripture. Normally, he's, he's right on, uh, but you just have to know. Sometimes it's like you're reading something that's like, eh, that doesn't sound like anything that I was taught. But if you know that going into it, you kind of understand you know, that he's going to go in that direction. And then after that, um, there's something, it's called a topical Bible. So sometimes you're like, I wonder what the, what does the Bible uh, say about murmuring? Okay, here's one, murmuring. <laughs> As a, and, and you can get a topical Bible that is broken down by topics. And that's called the Knaves Topical Bible. And, you know, and it'll, it'll say, okay, so murmuring of the Israelites against Moses. And it says that's found in Exodus 5.21. Then murmuring against God, you know, Exodus 5.22. And then, you know, and it goes through in order all the times that people were murmuring. You know, we get up to Philippians 2.14. You know, it's given us the scriptures. You know, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Then James 5, 9, you know, grudge not against one another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. 
In Jude 16, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. And so it'll show you all, many of the scriptures uh, that go with a topic. That's Nave's Topical Bible. And then uh, there's one uh, also, I don't know if I skipped it, but I think it's in the, the second group that a lot of people recommend. I can't say I, I've used this a lot, but again, I'm using a lot of electronic studies. If I didn't have electronics, I'd use this all the time. And that's the, there's a version of this called Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. And then the one I'd recommend is the updated one, the new Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. And what this does is uh, it's a cross-reference book. So when you are uh, studying the Bible and you study a verse and you're like, man, I really like <clears throat> what that verse says about this or that. And I, I would like to know, or I want to know more about murmuring. And I want to know all of the related verses that go with that. Well, you can pull out this new treasury of Scripture knowledge. You look up that verse you're studying, and then it has a list of all the cross-references in there. Okay? So, that is, that's essentially the library. There's probably about three, three or four books maybe missing there. But now you can see why maybe electronic, if you like computers, can use computers, uh, it might be better. I had to carry all of this here. This was, it was a workout, you know, to carry all of this. But nobody can turn this off. It, sits, it normally sits in my house, um, and I have all the access to it that I want. If you like books, you know, this is, this is not a huge library, and this, this is just a nice little library that can help you in your studies of the Bible. Like I said, it's just my backpack. If you may have other things that you want in yours. Okay. So, <clears throat> one of the things I always asked uh, every Church of God preacher that I came across was, you know, what books do you study, and, and what books did you study when you were uh, getting into preaching, and what was recommended to you, and... Um, what, what teaches Church of God theology? What teaches what we believe is the Church of God? I think that is incredibly important. That's something I've been looking for from the time that I got saved. What does the Church of God teach? What do we believe? Why do we believe that? How does it uh, stack up and how is it different from what the Baptists teach, what the Presbyterians teach, what the... Roman Catholics teach. There are some books out there, but what you're going to find is there's not a lot of uh, Church of God books out there. The ones that have been recommended to me, and I do have this list. If you're really interested, I can make copies uh, if I can get into the office, I guess, after church. I can make copies for you, or I can get them to you on Sunday. Um, <clears throat> good books, uh, Probably, probably my favorite was uh, Christian Theology by A.F. Gray, written in 1946, so a while ago. Another one that a lot of people like, uh, he's a lot more heavier into the systematic theology, is uh, a Christian Theology by R.R. R. Byram. 
Uh, there's also an earlier book um, that was written by F.G. Smith uh, earlier in, in the Church of God movement. And what you'll find is you'll find some of those earlier Church of God beliefs in, in those books. There's uh, two new books. I haven't read all the way through them, but what I've read so far sounds uh, you know, pretty standard. It sounds maybe a little bit more up-to-date. Um, <clears throat> one was written by uh, John Smith, I Will Build My Church. And that's almost a study guide of the Church of God. And then uh, Mark R. Jackson, he wrote this book here that I came across uh, actually by a guy on YouTube that was uh, talking about the teachings of the Anderson Church of God and what the Anderson Church of God believes. And that's called a, uh, a Closer Look at God's Church. And it looks like, looks like that. And I find that he is actually probably a little bit closer to what uh, you'll find you know, taught today in the Church of God. He wrote that in 2016, um, so that makes a little bit more sense. So that's, that's your, your library there real quick. And now I'll see if uh, my computer may have went to sleep by now. But real quick, I'll just show you... Uh, two resources. They're always trying to sell me uh, McAfee. No? Okay. Okay. Well, I'll take a second, I guess, for the projectors to come up. That's fine. Um, for your cell phone, the app that I really like, and this is good on computer, too. If you're looking for an electronic resource to study the Bible, that is free or low cost, there's a uh, app out there, it's called eSword, like the letter E, then S-O-W-R-D. Hopefully I spelled that right, eSword. Um, and with that, uh, you get a really good version of, uh, you get the King James, you can get a really good version of the English Standard Version, um, probably the best audio Bible that I have ever listened to is the English Standard Version on that eSword app. And if you don't, you know, if you don't want to buy anything else, it's, it's free. Uh, there, you can download commentaries, Matthew Henry's commentaries there for free, so you don't have to pay for it. You can just get it on that app. And then there's many other um, commentaries that you can, you can purchase. So it's a really good app. And then... Um, <clears throat> If you're looking for free on the uh, internet, we can go, it's uh, study, studylight.org. And there's, there's a lot of websites, I understand that. I'm just showing you what's in my, in my book bag, <laughs> okay? So, this is one that I used to use all the time before I got my, uh, my study software. So in Bible study tools, you've got like, I think there's, it says like 127 different commentaries, concordances, encyclopedias. Like this, this is everything that I just showed you and more for free. So you can click on the 
commentaries. Of course, you know, it's going to bring up a bunch of ads and stuff, but that's what happens when you're getting something for free. Free. Uh, but say uh, Barnes Notes, a lot of people like uh, Barnes Notes. Um, you know, you click on that, and then, I don't know, you're looking for, you know, Matthew uh, chapter 3. And then it'll start in, you know, verse 1, verse 2, and there's your commentary. And like I said, there's 127 commentaries, I think, on this, completely free. You don't have to pay for anything. Just have to click through all the ads. Now, if you want to pay for a really good software and you want to have uh, a, a good electronic resource, this is the one that is like the primo resource. It's the one that I really like. Um, I discovered this probably about a year or two ago. It's called Logos or Lagos Bible Study Software. I've heard it pronounced both ways, so don't tell me I pronounced it wrong. <laughs> but you've, um, this one you do have to pay for. This one costs anywhere from uh, $50 to start out into the thousands and tens of thousands. It depends on how many books that you purchase, um, but you can purchase packages and stuff, and you can get, uh, you know, you can end up getting your books for about a dollar a piece. <clears throat> the nice thing with this is you can purchase commentary sets and stuff. Like those commentary sets, some of them are really expensive if you try to buy them as a book. Um, and some of them are hard to find. Like, the only place you may find them is on, like, half-price books. Uh, you may find them on uh, eBay. You know, you're going to find them used, essentially. And then it's, you're, you just don't know what kind of condition you're going to get those books in. Um, so there's a lot of advantages to using uh, Lagos or Logos. Um, one of them is... Let's see, let's go to, I'll go to their website. One of them is, is they actually have a lot of uh, Church of God resource, like old Church of God books that I don't know if they would be that easy to find anymore, and especially to find in good condition. Um, I think is, is a guy named, it was a Riggle, R-I-G-G-L-E. I think that had written a lot of books in the Church of God. And here we got, you know, Herbert M. Riggle. And you've got, you know, all these books, you know, from the Church of God. There's even, I, I wouldn't probably pay the whole $600 for the whole bundle. You could go through, you could pick out, most of the books are about six bucks a piece, including like the theology books I was talking about. If you buy those used, you know, that may be 20 or $30. Um, to buy that book, you can buy it on here for $6. And the other nice thing is once, once you, you, know, you buy that book, I'm going to tell you, I use this probably like a second grader. You know, um, if, you know, I know Pendeely in, in college, she's learning to use this. 
uh, software, and she probably knows it better than I do. Uh, but the nice thing is, is you know, you can look something up, uh, you know, like foot washing, and and it'll bring up like where where does this what books said something. So what books in your library said something about foot washing? There's also like as your um, like there up here. There's almost like a, a Google search kind of, but it's using the books in your library. So it'll kind of you know it's going to tell you. Uh, you know, it'll give you like an article from one of your Bible dictionaries on foot washing. Uh, it's going to uh, give you key passages here that talk about uh, foot washing. Um, it's going to talk about, you know, the words that are being translated. Uh, it's going to give you a list of all the other like dictionary articles. Um, and then, of course, they always give you more books that you could buy <laughs> about that topic, okay? This is actually, I, I wish I could, you know, do a really good demonstration, but I, I learn something new on this all the time. Um, but it, it is a pretty nice uh, software uh, that, that you can use, but, you know, like I said, it comes with a, a lot higher uh, cost. So... Hopefully, uh, tonight, I, I know this is a different topic, but I feel the church, we need to not only be, be preaching, but we also need to be edifying and building up the church and teaching the church a little bit on how to study. This is important. You know, we want to know why we believe what we believe and to be able to, eventually, you're going to have to be able to defend what you believe, you know, because you're going to, if you're out there evangelizing, eventually you're going to run into a Mormon. You're going to run into a Jehovah's Witness. You're going to run into a Roman Catholic. You're going to run into a Baptist, somebody else that doesn't believe what you believe. And so we need to be a people that, that are studied up, that, that understand what it is that we believe and why we believe that. And you can't always get that just from sitting in a pew. I, I would say you can't get that from sitting in a pew only. Um, I would, uh, <clears throat> if you want, want to, kind of, a, kind of a funny, but he's not being funny, Francis Chan, uh, he's talking about the spiritual milk. Look that up on, on uh, YouTube sometime. Uh, and he he, this is, I believe, bef right before he left probably his congregation. He had a mega church. And he comes into the church and, or well, he ends the service and he, you know, I'm going to pick up this glass of water, but he has a baby bottle. And, you know, he's, and he's sucking on that baby bottle and he does that for about a minute. And he looks up and says, what, does this look funny to you? <laughs> and then he, then he says, well, this is essentially what people are are." doing here, you know, and he, he goes in and explains the scripture that, you know, says that you should be, you know, eating the spiritual meat, but instead you're, you know, you're thriving on the spiritual milk instead, and, and, uh, 
And he said, I, I just got to tell you, it's, it's like I said, it's kind of funny, but it's, uh, he's being serious about it because he said, you know what? You suck. <laughs> he said, you want to know why, you know, all these things are, are going wrong in your life and you have no joy and you have no peace and you have no happiness? He says, because you suck. He said, you spiritually are sucking on the milk of the word when you should be eating the meat of the word and teaching others. You should be growing in the word. And he said, you're sucking, you know, and he says, you know, you're sucking the life of, of, out, out of everybody around you. You're sucking the life out of me. And he's talking about sucking on that, that baby bottle. And he said, you just suck. <laughs> you got, you've, got to, you've got to see it. Because, you know, it, it wasn't much, I don't think it was much longer uh, after that that he ended up, he had built this big mega church and he ended up uh, leaving the mega church actually to go to Hong Kong and uh, preach there. And then his life mission is to prepare the United States uh, to have a successful persecuted church, I guess, to, to build Chinese-style house churches in the United States that thrive whether there's persecution or not. And, you know, I, I have, I've never put together my one presentation that one of these days I want to put together. Uh, if you are not aware of, you know, what went on in, you know, Canada, just, what, a thousand miles north of us uh, in 2020, it's... It should be eye-opening for the church, and that's some of the some of the things that I'm talking about tonight. Why maybe I love my electronics, I love my my Logos software, but you know I don't I don't put all my eggs in one basket, so to speak. On that. So hopefully this was something I uh, something. It's different, I know. But hopefully it was something that was useful to you. I, I hope that um, this is something that will maybe help your own personal Bible studies. I didn't bring this tonight for no reason. I didn't bring this tonight for you just to go away and not get anything out of it. So I hope you got something out of it because I intended for you to get something out of it. There's a lot out there that can help us to study the Bible, I guess, so we don't suck. <laughs> you got to watch that now. It is fun.